Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. using the 10th verse as the text. <clears throat> I've done so much singing 
she ain't in since five o'clock. I don't know whether I got any voice left or not. <coughs> and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known the broad the saying which was told them concerning this child. All they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Let us unite together and pray. Our Father, as we look into your word tonight, we pray the outpouring of thy spirit upon us, that in word and in truth we might serve you. Indeed, we might lift up your name, by living, we might announce that you are alive, that through our actions and through our words, through our testimony, others would know that you are indeed Christ the Savior, the one born in Bethlehem's manger. Be with us now throughout this service and speak to each of our hearts, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, in the 10th verse of this chapter, we dealt with the subject of I bring you good tidings, or to put it in today's English, I bring you good news. This evening, I would like for us to just go a few words further, three words further. I bring you good news of great joy. And our emphasis this evening will be upon the words of great joy. Or to use the title that I have given the sermon notes that I will use, The Joys of Christmas. And I use the term in the plural sense. Probably one of the saddest times of the year is Christmas in society. It's demonstrated that way. We hear of more violence, more crime. People feel more lonely and sad. Psychiatrists are busier during this season of the year than they are at any other season. All things seem to point to the lives of many people who would not say that Christmas is a joyous season at all, 
but rather would say that Christmas is one that lacks joy. And for many people, if they could, they would jump over Christmas completely and leave it out of the calendar because it brings them nothing but unhappiness and sadness, distress and pain. It does not bring them joy. A lot of this is the circumstances that they would find themselves in. We'll speak of some of these this evening. But a lot of it is the fact that it reminds them of the emptiness that they have in their life, oftentimes without family, many, many times without friends, and certainly, frequently without God. It's because of these three reasons, I think, that we can find a loss of joy during this time of the year. And if there is ever any time that we ought to be cognizant of the needs of people about us, uh, there ought to be an awareness in our heart and in our life to consciously and purposely pick out and find those people who need some affection, some love, some friendship, and see to it that we can provide them from our abundance. We do this through the, the Christmas baskets that were done. We do it through the singing of Christmas carols and through visits to the home and so many other ways. But oftentimes we fall so far short of really bringing joy to the lives of some people about us. We assume maybe too much. We assume that they are enjoying it as we, only to discover after the fact that they're very unhappy in this season of the year. I've never spent a Christmas away from home in my life. Never. I wouldn't know what it would be like, but I have been around lots of people and I've had some of them into my home who could not go home for Christmas. One of our daughters spent two Christmas in Oregon. I was very distressed that she could not come home. And she was distressed that she could not be home. It was just too costly to fly her from there where she was going to the University of Portland back to, to our home. But I was very pleased when I found out that one of the friends that she had made in school, one of her girlfriends invited her to go home with her. And as a result of that invitation, I now have a son-in-law. Uh, I didn't know that was going to happen at the time, but they met on that Christmas vacation that she had with a friend of hers. It is indeed a sad time for many people. But the angel came to the shepherds there on the side of that mountain and announced to them that he had a message and the message was going to be one of great joy. Now notice the word great that is attached to the word joy. Great joy. There are two things, let me say, preliminary before I get really down to what I want to say. There are two parts that make up joy. One there is the receiving. It is a joyous thing to give but it's likewise a joyous thing to receive. I think perhaps most of us have more trouble receiving than we do in giving. Now I want you to consider this for a moment. 
Most of us are uncomfortable when somebody gives us something. We feel like that we've got to reciprocate, to give back. I can remember my grandmother would always, upon visiting her home, give me something to take. And over the years, it, it, it bothered me that I perhaps ought to be giving back to her when she gave me something. But I recall that it was not only me or her other grandchildren to whom she gave, but I soon began to realize that she was giving something to everyone that visited her home. It might be a quart of green beans out of the cellar that she had gained. It might be a steak. It might be a doily that she had made, but she continually uh, was uh, impressed with the desire to give. And I realized as I grew up that she was not expecting to receive. The ones who were uncomfortable were those who were not able to graciously accept her generosity. We've got to learn to, to graciously receive if we're going to have the joy of Christmas. The other part is that of giving. The scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. And surely if we're going to give at Christmas time, it ought to be with cheerfulness. Because we want to give, not because we must give. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that a lot of our giving in all of our homes has come down and been reduced to that thing, well, they're going to get me something, I better get them something. This is a terrible way to approach Christmas, although we seem to bound to it so much. We ought to give because we love the person to whom we're giving, and we want to express some affection to them. Because God so freely gave, surely that we ought in turn freely give and have love and meaning in that which we give. The Scrooges of this world will never know the joys that come at Christmas. All right, with that as background, let me get to the four points I would like to make. Number one, the joy of Christmas is in knowing that God is for us in knowing that God is for us. Now, I want to go over to Romans in the 8th chapter. This has become a very important verse to me, particularly in the past few weeks as we have faced some problems in our life with our daughter and her bouts with cancer. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 and following Paul said he that spared his own that spared not he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give us all things who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect it is God that justifieth who is he that condemneth it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. He is ever at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. For who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, here's, here is the thing that I want us to notice, most particularly. 
knowing that God is for us. Listen to these words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril, shall sword? Is there anything he is asking that can separate us from the love of God? In other words, God is for us. Who can be against us? Nay, it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We face Christmas like any other day of the year with our problems. We face our sicknesses. We face our distresses. We face our perils. We face death. Our own, perhaps, or those of our loved ones. We are facing all these things, but there is no reason for us to despair. We can enjoy Christmas with the joy of Christmas in knowing that Christ is always for us. He's on our side. And he knows that we have these bouts with uncertainties, these bouts with sickness, these bouts with, with death, these bouts with distress and famine and all the other things. He's aware of that. Still he's for us. Lawless. God is for us. Secondly, we can know the joy of Christmas in knowing that we belong to the family of God. Well, I've already commented, uh, perhaps you have caught the inference that I believe that Christmas is a time for families to be together. Our family gathers at my parents. We're going to have our children and our grandchildren to our house before Christmas for our get-together. But most of us will go to my parents' house and my brothers and sister and their families will be gathering there. It's a time of family fun, family fellowship, family worship. We always have a worship service before our huge meal that my mother prepares. We take pictures of all things and everything and have all the fun that goes with families being together. But there are families that will not be together. There are families that will not be together because of miles. They just cannot get together. There will be families that will not be together because death has separated them. A dear lady that I love and I grew up with, with her children, my age, died at Thanksgiving. And that family will gather at her home to celebrate Christmas this year, but with a separation. Their mother won't be there. Their father died many years ago. That will separate many families. And then there will be strange relationships that will separate others. 
this is one of the things that would bother me desperately if one of my children would not come home because there was a strained relationship. Fortunately, that has never happened yet, although I suppose someday it might. This is a time for togetherness of the family. But more importantly, it's time for, toge for togetherness for the church family. We ought to be closer to each other. As the members of this community and this church at Christmas time, perhaps at any other time, maybe say the time of Easter, when we ought to feel closeness. Because we are the children of God. And we've been told that time and time again, that we belong to the family of God. The family of God ought, ought to join together and rejoice. I would hope that we would come out in force on the Sunday night that the BYF will be presenting the Christmas service because it will demonstrate not only our support to the group and to the leaders of that function, but it will demonstrate our togetherness as God's children. We ought as God's children to worship Him in togetherness. Thirdly, we can only know the joy of Christmas or we can know the joy of Christmas by experiencing liberation from fear. Now, if you will notice, in the text verse, the angel said to the uh, shepherds there on the hillside, do not be afraid. Fear not. I don't know what you're afraid of, but I suspect that most of us have a fear. Some of you are afraid of the dark. You won't go to bed without a light on. Some of you are afraid of someone doing you bodily harm. Some of you have claustrophobia, maybe. Some of you are afraid of death. Others are afraid of possible sickness. I'll tell you something about fear. It destroys. It absolutely will destroy a person. It will increase their blood pressure, and oftentimes needlessly. It will take away their happiness. It will take away their peace. Fear can take one's life. All of these things can happen to a person who is afraid. But there are three fears that I think that we ought to consider more than these. One is the fear of the past. Are you afraid of what has happened in your life in the past? Are there things in your past that disturb you? that eat at you, that cause you to lose your rest and you are distressed for fear that they might be discovered? Particularly, are you afraid of your past sins? You got a sin hiding there somewhere that you have never sought forgiveness for? Well, there's one thing about it. 
We may not know what that sin is. Your neighbor may not know. The church may not know. The people you work for may not know. But you can be absolutely sure God already knows. So from whom are you hiding? From whom do we desire to shade our life so that it cannot be seen? If there are things in our past that are not right between ourselves and God, then certainly we ought to get those things right that we will not be afraid of our past. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is one of the great blessings that we as Christians can have is that we know that we can go to our Father and ask His forgiveness. And He does that very thing. When we ask in faith believing, in seriousness, ask His forgiveness, we can receive it. So there are our past fears. Secondly, there are the present fears that we have. Now we've alluded to this a bit. I'll not belabor this issue. Each of you know what you're facing today. We all have our different problems. None of us have the same ones, but I dare say that all of us have our problems. We know what some of our problems are. You know what some of mine are. I know what some of yours are. But you don't know all my problems. And I would in this world tell you all my problems. And I don't know all yours, and you should never tell me all your problems, necessarily. They're something that you have that maybe can be shared at times, but most often so many of those things are so personal that only you and the Lord can talk about them. I certainly always encourage people to talk about their problems if they're such that they can be talked about. If there is something that I can do as your pastor that you feel that I can talk with you or I can just be a sounding board and you can unload those things upon me just to get them off your chest, if nothing more, feel free to do so. But I certainly would not expect that you're going to tell me all the deep secrets that you have in your heart of the things that you're facing. But that does not mean that you must face them alone, that you cannot share them with somebody. And you ought to seek out someone in this world, a friend of yours, that you can talk to. It's very difficult times for wives to talk to their husbands about some things. It's very difficult for husbands to talk to wives. There are some things you just can't understand, women, that we men feel. And we also know that there are some things that we cannot possibly understand that you need to share with somebody, so you ought to find someone to share them with. But if you cannot, you've got the Lord. You see, and He already knows all of these things. A little boy was asked on one occasion if he knew what a friend was. And he responded, yes, I know what a friend is. He's a feller that knows all about you and likes you just the same. I believe that's what we need in this world. People with whom we can share the innermost secrets, the dark depressions of our heart, be 
because he will still be our friend once we've laid it all out. That's a real friend. Now, if you cannot accept those deep, dark, depressing things that somebody might lay on you, don't let them lay them on you. Stop them before they do, for you won't be their friend unless you can take them and love them just the same. With all of the deepness of the things that might come from their heart and soul. But for those things that you can't get that far. Remember, today's problems are already known by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can lay them out to him and he'll like us just the same. Then there are the fears of the future. So many things are not known. I don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You may have a job, and I may have a job tonight, but when I go to work tomorrow morning, there could very well be a notice on my desk that my job is no longer. Then what will I do? Maybe you've already faced that. I faced it a time or two. We don't know the next trip that we go to the doctor, but what he might tell us that we only have a few weeks to live. We don't know those things about tomorrow. We don't know what will be there beyond this very moment. But come what may, God is on the throne, and God already knows, and God is prepared and able to take us into his hands and carry us and free us of our burdens so that we won't have to worry about tomorrow. We will just live from day to day. He holds the whole world in his hand. And he holds you and me, brother, in his hand. So why worry about tomorrow? Why worry about the future? So we can enjoy Christmas by experiencing liberation from our past, from our present, and from our future concerns and problems and fears. Fourthly, And lastly, the joy of Christmas comes to those who are givers. Now, we commented on this early on in the sermon, but I want to elaborate on it. Because I want to take a different approach. We can enjoy Christmas if we give. Now, many of you have already gone Christmas shopping and you have your... Your Christmas presents wrapped. And I looked under Don's tree this evening. And my goodness, he's, I know he, somebody's been Christmas shopping at his house. I can see all the presents. In my house, the presents are strung everywhere. And you probably have that too. There are certain places that I no longer can go. Do you have that problem? I just suddenly became off bounds. We have all of these things that go on. But I'm not talking about these gifts are as important as they are. I'm talking about suppose you have nothing to give. What can you give? 
I want to suggest eight things that we ought to give this Christmas. And they're not wrapped in pretty presents with pretty bows. But I'll tell you what they are wrapped in. They're going to be wrapped in love. Let me suggest them to you. Number one, you can give faith. There's somebody with whom you ought to share your testimony. You don't have to wrap it up. And they will receive it from you, and you may not even know that you're giving it. Just share your faith with someone. Secondly, you can give the gift of helpfulness. I remember a person who gave a gift one time, put it out of the tree and wrapped it up. And when the receiver opened up the present, there was a little note inside it. And it said, I give you myself one hour a week, all year. It didn't cost a dime. But how precious was the gift. We can give the gift of encouragement to those who are depressed and this Christmas season, to those who are ill, to those who need to be supported and lifted up, we can encourage them. Give them some hope. Let them know that everything isn't dark and black and come what may, we'll stand by them in all of their troubles. Fourth, we can give friendship. I think there would be nothing more wonderful than if each of us this Christmas season would find someone to befriend that we have not been a friend to before and make them a project of being a friend to them throughout this coming year. You have your friends, but don't stay within that circle. You have your family, but don't stay within that circle. Reach out to the community, to your neighbors, to the ones with whom you work, to somebody who has a need for a friend and become one to that person during this Christmas season. Sixth, we can give the gift of acceptance. You know, we sing a hymn, Just As I Am, without one plea. And we sing it to the Lord. And all we're asking Him is, Lord, take me just like I am. Accept me. Does it not behoove us to do the same thing to someone else and say to that person, with all of your flaws and all of your faults and all of your difficulties and all the things that are not lovely about you, I accept you in Jesus' name just the way you are. And I love you for what you are. Because Jesus loved even the unlovely, we will love those who are not so easy to love either. We will accept them as they are. Seventh, we'll give the gift of kindness. Sometimes it's a lot easier to slap somebody down than it is to hug them. I have felt so much like doubling up my fist on more than one occasion and using it 
on somebody that I thought ought to be taught a lesson. That was difficult not to do. I've never done it yet, but it's been mighty difficult to keep from doing it. But I think it would be nicer of me and of you, more Christ-like, if instead of striking out physically, verbally, emotionally, against someone that we reach out in kindness. Lastly, I think we ought to give the gift of gratitude. We ought to find someone and go to someone and say to that person, I want to thank you for what you mean to me. I don't know if you have a person like that. I remember when I was a teenager, our pastor conducted a service that was geared to this very purpose, and I shall never forget in all my life when he said to the congregation, I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to go to somebody that you really and truly feel has been a blessing to you and take them by the hand or put your arm around their shoulder and say to them, thank you for what you mean to me. We can give that. And it will bless us. Can you imagine what it would do to you if someone would come to you, just take you by the hand and say, I want to thank you for what you mean to me. You have been an inspiration. What would happen in this church if every member of this church would go to other members of this church and give the gift of gratitude this Christmas? Wouldn't it be marvelous? Wouldn't you be blessed? And wouldn't you be a blessing as you say thank you? for what you mean to me. Happiness is a result of things that happen, but joy is an inward condition of the heart. I haven't spoken of happiness tonight. I've spoken of joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior that is Christ the Lord. The angel said, I bring you good tidings, good news, of great joy. And that joy should be in our heart. Is it? If it is not, won't you put it there? That you can share this Christmas season with friends and neighbors and with each other in this church. Shall we pause for just a moment? Uh,
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.